Hello and welcome to the Fencing Podcast. I'm Gavin. And I'm Sean. And uh, this is episode 31. Yep, it certainly is. Mm-hmm. Properly an adult now. Yeah, keep saying that. It's yeah. not like it's true. <laughs> so let's kick off first of all by saying thank you to our wonderful sponsors, Liam Paul. Yes, indeed. Um, went in to see them last weekend uh, down at the Liam Paul Centre mm-hmm. to do a pile of interviews and I was made to feel very welcome and thoroughly, thoroughly well looked after. Excellent. And we'll have more to say about that later on. Yes, we will. And also a big shout out to our uh, Patreon supporters. Yeah. Okay, you guys keep the, you know, you guys are keeping the lights on. It's not just Lee and Paul here. No, indeed. It's a, it's a team effort. Mm-hmm. And if you want to come and join the team, do the decent thing, follow the Patreon link in the show notes. I'm not adding new Patreon supporters for a while, actually. I noticed to my We're not. huge and, well, slightly deflated disappointment, to be honest, <laughs> that, uh, that, that nobody can quite bring themselves to give us, you know, even a dollar a month. A dollar a month. Single dollar. Just, a tip, just put it in the tip jar. Exactly. If you're not going to follow, give us any money through uh, Patreon, how about leaving us a lovely five-star glowing review on iTunes? It's it's nearly as good. You can do both, of course. You could do both, but, you know, if, if, if handing over some cash to a bunch of random Scots guys is, uh, isn't is for you, you know, I mean, I'm just going to throw this out there. Our boat isn't going to paint itself. No, it's uh, not. It's not. Uh, you perhaps, leave, you uh, wouldn't leave the cost of the fuel as well, Gav. Oh, We've not, not really mentioned that. Yeah, and the mooring fees. Yeah. Uh, then perhaps it's time that uh, you, you might want to sort of just chip in a little five-star review. If you don't like the show, don't bother, though. Yeah, please don't. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Very selective in the people we want to actually review us, only yeah. people that think we're good. Right, let's get on with the show. Yes, indeed. So we've got quite a lot of uh, World Cup and one Grand Prix action. Mm-hmm. Yeah, kind of the end of the regular season. Um, one that I failed to talk about last time around because I was a little bit disorganised and I never quite got around to doing it. Uh, was the, the men's sabre from Madrid. Mm-hmm. Well, so before you start, I did watch a little bit of this and I thought that the presentation was kind of bizarre. <laughs> uh, it was in a, it looked like a school sports hall, mm-hmm. but it was clearly done by a TV company, like La Liga Sports, I imagine, because that was the big branding in the corner. Yeah, it was, I. Uh, and they had proper sports journalists talking over the top of it. And they had quite a nice kind of like tripartite sort of panel thing going on where they were discussing the action uh, before it. And then they had kind of guys talking about it afterwards. And it looked quite professional. Yeah. But it was still in a random sports hall Still somewhere. a sports hall, yeah. I know. Yeah. You can only do so much to professionalise these things, I think. I mean, if you put it in in a venue that's not not brilliantly presented, then it, it's still going to look a bit amateurish, no matter yeah. how much, uh, you know, how high the production values are in terms of quality of the video yeah. and good quality commentary. Well, the thing is, I like the Spanish Federation, so I don't want to seem like I'm being too hard on them here. Okay. But it was, I did actually have a bit of a chuckle when I saw them hand out the trophies, because it was a school table in the middle of a hall <laughs> with a bunch of trophies on it. And then... It's, uh, it's school prize giving. Yeah, it was a bit... Yeah, exactly, school prize giving. And you had all the fences lined up waiting to get their, get their medals. <laughs> Here's your prize for best yeah. handwriting. Yeah, other than that, it was... It, don't be wrong, it was great other than that. I wish I spoke more Spanish so I could hear yeah. what the journalists had to say because they, they were saying something and there was a lot of laughter going on, so I'm assuming there were some good jokes. Right. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I, that's a, a regular frustration of mine as well that I, don't, I can't actually speak more languages, yeah. even remotely competently, because when they're not done in English, I I struggle apart from the, yeah, in a, a, other than a few mm. words here and there. Mm. So if anybody wants to sort of tell us any of the jokes and that, I'd love to hear them. <laughs> Let's hear your best Spanish fencing jokes. Yeah. Okay, so on to some fencing action. Um, and early departures again. Andrew Satmari, reigning world champion, mm-hmm. out in 64. Uh, Matthias Sabo of Germany, also out in 64. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gu, Hartung, Pactaman, Apatee and Kim, all out in 32. 
So a lot of big names gone. Carathalli, Samiri, and Aberdeen out in 16. So, yeah, fair bit of carnage there. Yep. In amongst that mayhem, though, a couple of good British results, which are well worth a mention, I think. Uh, James Honeybone making a, a last 16 there. Right. Very good result. And uh, JJ Webb making a 32, his first 32 oh, uh, very good. Senior World Cup of Grand Prix. Actually, is that James Honeybone's first last 16, or has he done that No, before? it's not. He's trying to be fair. I think that's about his fourth one. His fourth one, okay. Yeah, right. so he's... Uh, a reasonably regular site okay. in the later stages of these things. So, but still a good a good day out. Yes. Quarterfinal lineup: uh, Berry of Italy uh, beat Kamala Bragimov 15-14. Okay. No better. Uh, Daryl Homer of the USA beat young Konstantin Lokonov of Russia, a guy who won the World Juniors for the last couple of years mm-hmm. uh, very comfortably. Fifteen-seven. Uh, yeah, big big unit. Um, That's the guy. Yep. Making a making a big breakthrough in seniors with a, a last eight here in Madrid. Venyman Roshetnikov continues his fine form this season by putting out double World Cup winner Eli Dershowitz, 15-10. Oh, right, okay. Uh, and Osanguk, the big scary Korean, mm-hmm. stuff of nightmares for me, uh, put out Vincent and set 15-13. Oh, right, okay. So on to our semi-finals. Berry against Homer, first one mm-hmm. up. A bizarre fight, really. Daryl Homer looking really sharp. You see, his form since the Olympics been pretty patchy. He's not produced mm-hmm. a whole load of great results, uh, but he looked... Really great at the start of this fight, um, finding the timing in the middle of the piece, yeah, yeah. and charges to a big lead, eight one up at the break, and on on to go ten one up at one stage. Then there's a kind of run of simultaneous actions, and Daryl starts to look for kind of ways to speed the fight up. You know, so looking for some yeah kind of big hits, uh, looking for more parries. Whereas up to that point, he'd been quite happy to to be hugely successful in the middle of the piece. Yeah, starts yeah. starts trying to mix it up. I think just because he felt, oh, I've got such a big lead here. What does it matter? Yeah. I can I can afford to take a few chances and mm-hmm. sure, I'll, sure I'll get the win. But, you know, Berry starts to, to close way back. And, you know, before too long, it's it's 11-6 and then 11-8. And you start to think, well, it's just a bit possible here. Mm-hmm. He almost stretches the lead out again to go 14-11 up. And you think, it's, yeah, almost there. Uh, but no, <laughs> again, Berry doesn't, I mean, he doesn't seem to actually change a whole load in his fight. It's not successful at the start. So, so wait a minute. So, uh, I, I can kind of feel where, where this is going here. Mm. <laughs> yeah, it's just meant you might. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, 14 all. 14 all. Yeah. Yeah. Homer's, you know, choked in his fight horribly, hesitates, and, uh, and Barry hits him. So, the question is here. So, it sounds like Homer's kind of just uh, choked. I mean, from that sort of a massive lead, it's, it's not a choke. I mean, a choke is when you do something. Really, really horrible at a kind of critical stage in the okay, match and never guess. recover from it. Yeah. But this is a fight that he was miles up in and it just, just got away from me. He just you chucked know, it. Just, yeah, couldn't, couldn't quite find a way to finish it off having been it's a bit like, totally um, dominant in the early part of uh, it. It's a bit like uh, Emery in the Olympic final. He's uh, 14 uh, yeah, 10 up. He's 14 almost, 10 up. Almost there. He's been cruising all the way through it, yep. you know. Uh, and then all of a sudden he tries to be a little bit too smart to finish it all off and pays the price. Maybe yeah. there's a bit of that going on. Maybe so, yeah, maybe so. I mean, as I say, it didn't, didn't seem any sort of huge change from uh, from Enrico Berry's end. Mm-hmm. Oh, well. And uh, came out with the win. Mm-hmm. Okay. So uh, second semi-final, uh, Reshetnikov against, oh, again, another nail-biter. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is a kind of match-up of probably the sharpest parry reposter in Reshetnikov on the, in the men's circuit at the moment yeah. uh, his parry reposts are immensely sharp and fast he's got very good control of uh, the sort of distance and he knows he can vary the distance enough that it gives him enough time to actually pull off that parry I've noticed yeah I mean it's a really small margin you know he'll mm-hmm. he'll step in 
looks for all the world like you know it's going for yeah yeah going for two two simultaneous attacks takes what seems like a tiny little step back mm-hmm. and just enough to give him time to take a, this really sharp power of course yep. and then matching that up against Osanguk's terrifying power and speed mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, really good contest in in prospect in the terms of uh, contrasting styles oh has the upper hand at the break he's eight four up and a couple of Roshetnikov power reports in there just to you know, keep O on his toes. Yeah. But, you know, at that point, it, it was looking like a an, an O win. Mm-hmm. changes tactics a little bit, becomes a little bit more aggressive after the break, uh, gets himself back in it to only being 9-8 down, uh, sort of mixing it up. Still hitting with parry reposts, because that's kind of his his standout hit, if yeah, you like. Yeah. O seemed to regain control again, goes 12-8 up. And then there's a short break after a clash of guards at 13-9 in favour of O. Mm-hmm. While Roshenikov uh, gets some gets some magic spray on his thumb and doesn't it seem to immediately work? Uh, it goes fourteen ten up, um, but then Roshenikov hits parry repost, parry repost, two long attacks, yeah, to level at fourteen all, and then a real bit of controversy in the in the refereeing with this one. There's an extension by the referee in what looks like. Well, either O is hit with the attack or Shetnikov has made the parry repost. And the referee at 14 all has to go and has to go and look at the video anyway mm-hmm. and decides he can't call it. So he puts him back on guard. How can you not call that though? <laughs> well, exactly. Why why have the video? Yeah. If, I mean obviously it's fourteen all go to the video. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, yeah. Cool yeah with you've that. got to it's compulsory. Yeah, it's, it's well, even if it even if it wasn't, it'd be cool with that. But in that sort of situation, it can only really be one way. So call it. Yeah. I mean, you, you you've got to make a decision, <laughs> that's what the video is there for. Yep. You go there, look at it as pretty much as much as you want. Yeah. Uh, but you, you should be able to make a decision. And and he can't. But anyway, the sort of final final result, final attack uh, from Roshetnikov, actually. Really? Okay. With uh, O looking for the blade mm-hmm. to take the win for another, That's right, another yeah. 15-14 mm-hmm. win. Yeah. So um, two two good semi-finals. Uh, final itself, probably not quite as exciting. Yeah, watch um, this. Very kind of looking for, looking for the parry a fair bit as well as Roshetnikov doing, doing his thing on that. I mean, it looked great when it worked. And Barry, probably the, the, the less adventurous of the two fencers, and he, he goes to a sort of workmanlike 8-7 up at the break. Mm-hmm. But he was up, though, at the start. And then, then then he lost it, and then it came back. Yeah, I mean, there wasn't... There was never a huge gap. <clears throat> three three hits, maybe, at the most. Yeah. Um, You're only saying think, that because somebody lost a 10-1 lead, but anyway. <laughs> yeah. He's something a lot more impressive than your know, three or four hits to, yeah. to count as a proper lead. Yeah, and then some nice some nice hits in amongst there from from Barry. I mean, there's a nice uh, there's a nice stop cut to wrist um, to go ten eight up, and a nice repost to go twelve nine, mm-hmm. uh, and then you know led up to up to forty nine. A couple of nice reports from Roshetnikov just to just to remind him of yeah you know what he was there for, mm-hmm. uh, but in the end Barry seals the 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 win with a. With a nice attack to finish off for a, a reasonably comfortable fifteen yeah. eleven win. Uh, yeah, I mean, I really thought, after the break, it never, never quite felt in doubt, and it wasn't nearly as thrilling a, a final as the as the two semis had been. Well, I thought because I'd watched this, and I thought that Roshetikov was going to pull it back at one point. As I say, he, was, he has that control over the distance; he can do short movements to, that give him the time to make his power a post, and he managed to pull it off for a good two or three hits. Mm-hmm. And I thought he was going to make a comeback actually, um, but it seemed to me that Berry kind of. But went back into the driving mode, took it back over again, and just varied it enough that Roshetnikov couldn't pull yeah. his super pyre post move anymore. Yeah, I mean, it was a, 
it was a workmanlike performance, I would say, from yeah. from Barry in the final, which mm-hmm. uh, you know, having had to produce something, you know, a remarkable comeback to get yeah. there was yeah. uh, perfectly acceptable. So a, a, a good but not probably over dramatic final for mm-hmm. the the end of the individual events for the World Cup season in men's sabre. So a, a good event, two great semi-finals, yeah. and the final, yeah, good win for for Enrico Barry. Mm-hmm. So well, well done him. World Cup's routine event, obviously, as well on the Sunday. And uh, after a slightly disappointing day, I suppose, for the Koreans, uh, with oh, the only one making the making the top eight and getting onto the podium, uh, but normal service resumes with a, another a, yet another Korean win. Mm-hmm. Um, I probably should have checked this actually, but I think they've won four out of the five World Cups this year. Uh, they are. I'll go. I'll go with whatever you've just said there. <laughs> Thanks, Gav. <laughs> Thanks. I, I appreciate that. It's big of me. <laughs> Um, yeah, so Italy second, uh, fairly close final, forty five forty one with the Koreans. Taking, oh, right, okay, taking the win, and Russia, Russia third, and Hungary fourth. Oh, okay. So that was a uh, that was the team. So that's uh, the regular season for men's sabre wrapped up right. as well. What have we got next? Cali, Cali Epi Grand Prix, final, final Grand Prix of the season. Yep. So this is it. So it's a it's a men's Epi and women's Epi event, indeed. Uh, so I watched a bit of this, and we'll start with the men's. I guess first thing I noticed was that the entries were a bit low. Mm-hmm. There was only 128 actually at the event. And in the lower end, I noticed that there was quite a few Colombians in there. Yeah. So the turnout wasn't brilliant. If you compare it to the last couple where it was approaching 300. Well, yeah, the SNCF Rousseau in Paris is huge, 300, yeah. 300 plus, Heidenheim 300 mm-hmm. plus. Um, so, yeah, 120 odds is, is titchy tiny for a, for a, Grand Prix, a, a yeah. men's Epi Grand Prix. Yeah. Um, I mean, no... No offence to our Colombian listeners, perhaps. Not at all, Columbia, no. Not Columbia is, is not top of people's places that they want to go to. But it's still a Grand Prix. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. The top guys were all still there, though. So, Well, most of them were still there. So we'll have a quick spin through the results about looking at our early levers. So in the 128, believe it or not, uh, we did have a couple. Uh, Kun, Banera, France, and Na of Korea. Okay, yeah. So I'm only mentioning them because they've been kind of up-and-coming fencers. Yeah. All, all three of them. But they all went out in the 128, which I'm a bit surprised by. 64, I thought it was all going to be over for me. Uh, Uyama, <laughs> Kokikano, oh, no. Minobi, all oh, three of them out. Yeah. Uh, their, their team at Ito uh, went out in the round before as well. Grotz also went out in this one. Uh, Redley and Fichera, all out in a sixty-four. Yeah, that's uh, that's a tough, tough round tree there, Gav. <laughs> did you, how did you recover? Uh, well, well, I just sort of bit, sort of bared with it. Out in the thirty-two, we've got uh, Santarelli and Lamardo. They went out in the thirty-two. Okay, and then in the sixteen, uh, Park uh, Kyungdu Park. Okay, uh, went out, and obviously Ray, uh, the other one I want to mention here is Rater of Cuba was there. Oh yes, yeah, good. And he went out in the sixteen. Oh, so, well, I mean, still a good. That's still a good there. Back up the sort of business end of yeah of a and, of a Grand Prix yeah and uh, sort of Colombia feels like closer to home if you know what I mean than, yes uh, a little bit yeah yeah so 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 quite so quite quite a few heads were falling earlier on the match but our last day actually is quite a good matchup kind of people you'd expect uh, first the first uh, quarter final was Heinz versus Burrell uh-huh. so we've had, we've seen this sort of thing before uh, a couple of times here but this time uh, Burrell absolutely wallops him it's fifty nine yeah I've actually watched uh, quite a bit of Cali. Right, okay. Um, because I think I was finishing off editing the last episode or something. Oh, right, okay. So just had it on the background. Um, so yeah, I kind of finished that and went, oh, thank goodness that's done. Uh, and then uh, and then Callie was on, so I watched, watched quite a bit of this. All right, okay. Anything you want, uh, want to say about this one before we move on? Well, well about the Borel-Heinzer match? Yes. Um, it never looked in doubt. Exactly. 
Okay, yeah. let's move on. Uh, nobody, you know, Burrell was not going to be distracted by any shenanigans. Any yeah, no, no shenanigans. <laughs> no shenanigans today, thanks. Yes. Uh, our next one up is uh, Pereira uh, versus Park. Uh, so this is uh, the, the sung, uh, oh, you know, Park. Sanyo, yeah. yeah. The uh, Park, not the other Park. The Park, not the yeah. other Park. Yeah. This, bit, park. this one was a bit closer, actually. It was 15-12. Right. Finished okay. off. Uh, obviously, Park being my favourite going through. Hooray. The next, the next quarterfinal is a bit of a sort of a strange one because it's uh, Jung versus Jung. Yes, yeah. So, so if you're a Jung supporter, you're going to be happy whatever they Exactly, exactly. And that's uh, Jinsen Jung versus mm-hmm. uh, Byung, I don't know how you pronounce his first name, it looks like Byung Chung Jung. Uh, yes. Um, I'm not entirely sure you pronounce like that, it. Yeah. Uh, quite close one, this one. Uh, finishes uh, 15-12 for the other Jung. Oh, yes, I know we've got. <laughs> yeah, Byung, uh, I'm calling him B Jung. Okay. Okay. Young B. Young B, fact, even, yeah, in fact. Yes. As opposed to Young E. Yeah, that's a bit more dismissive, though. <laughs> it, it, it is. But it's accurate, though. He is, well, yeah, he is. He is, yeah. I mean, if we can call, if we can call Kyungdu Park, who's won World Cups and Grand Prix and stuff, the other park. Well, that's true. We can certainly call uh, the younger, less experienced uh, Young the other Young. Yeah, yeah. Or <laughs> Young B. Well, let's go for Young B, then. Okay. Or Jung Bean. It's a hard J. It's Jung Bean. Okay, and that was 15-12. And our, our last quarterfinal is a bit of a cracker. It's uh, Daniel Jerome of uh, France versus Nikishin. Okay. Now, I didn't watch this. I don't know what I was doing when that was on, but... Uh, Goes right to the wire, this one. Nikishin gets it out, gets out of the bag right in the last second, 15-14. Ah, right. Okay. Yeah. So that leaves our semi-finals. Uh, so some, these are actually quite these are actually quite good semi-finals as well. Our first one is uh, Park versus uh, Burrell. Now, obviously, this is kind of like my ideal matchup. Just yeah. about it's two of my two of my favorite fences there. Uh, I did go a little bit mad on uh, Facebook once I watched that Burrell does look like a giant versus Park, though. Yes, because Park's. I mean, Park's not tiny. Uh, he's just kind of normal sized. Yeah. which Next to Burrell makes him look tiny. Why is Burrell? I have to look that one up. He must be well over six foot, six eight, six seven, something like that. He's massive. I don't think he's quite as big as that, but I, th- I think Park's only about five, ten or eleven or something. Yeah. So I, I think I think Burrell is probably about six foot five or something, yeah. which is, to be fair, very big. Mm. But he's broad and powerful as well. Yeah. So yeah, Park Park looks little. Yeah. Anyway, it's it's, it's a great. It's actually it's a, both semi-finals are great. Don't get me wrong. I'm not disappointed with either of them. But this first one goes starts off the way I wanted it to go, and Park flies off, literally flies off with it, and uh, goes six two up. Yeah. And I, I and I, and actually in this one I go Park off to a flying start. We says in my notes, <laughs> and then uh, then the six two with six exclamation marks. <laughs> so you were crazy. So you were enjoying this. Yeah, I think I think I was getting a bit excited actually in that one. The next hit actually from Burrell, he starts so he, is a is a nice comeback. It's a nice kind of uh, it's a nice continuous hit to, to the wrist where he's, he's basically had basically sort of attitude. He's like, I've had enough of being hit. I'm not going to hit you. And he starts again. It's and he does two of these, and it goes from six to he goes from being two six down to, to being six four. That's why I, th- I thought, well, this is this is the the startup's going to happen. There's a couple. There's a double. Uh, Burrell starts to look. He's getting a ha- yeah, get a handle on it. They're all over the place. There's lovely feints. It's a couple of doubles again. We're at 10-8 and it's the first period mm-hmm. and we haven't finished yet. Yeah. You know? uh, and then uh, Burrell does this kind of lovely hit. Now, this is the last hit of this period. Uh, Park steps in. Burrell does a sort of classic foily move. Sticks his arm out. Uh, Park panics, starts to fish around for it and Burrell just finishes and hits him. It's right. just a lovely, kind of lovely kind of sort of foily style move and we finish the first period at 10-9. Delicately poised. Delicately poised. You know, we start off with me being all excited at 6-2, but now I'm kind of equally excited as we, you know, in the sort of the second period. 
So we get a break for one minute, and then uh, what happens is we start off double boring, and then uh, Braille actually fleshes, and unfortunately for him, he misses and part ducks. Right, right. Okay. This is quite. It's quite nice to watch to, to actually see because Burrell has a very. It's, it's quite an interesting flesh if you ever see him. Because sometimes you look because he's so big, kind of mm-hmm. looks a bit awkward, like yeah. he's kind of lumbering forward. But anyway, Park sees it coming a mile off and just ducks. Twelve ten. It's a double, so it's thirteen eleven. And I'm starting to think, ah, a man's going to pull it out of the bag here. But uh, what happens is instead is uh, Park kind of starts to stand his ground and Burrell just starts pushing it through, pushing yeah. it through his guard. And it goes thirteen twelve. We're at thirteen all. It's a double. It's fourteen fourteen. <sighs> Question is who's going to win this one? It's quite an interesting, quite an it's a quite a good last hit. Uh, Park tries he's du- he's ducking it again, but but Burrell's actually really ready for it. He engages it in the low line and then he just pulls it up onto the top line and just pushes it straight onto Park. It's a really lovely, lovely, lovely hit to finish it all off. Yeah, he sort of learned his lesson from the earlier. Yeah, exactly. Uh, found, found a solution and yeah, exactly. exactly. He was ready for it this time. Fourteen all. Yeah. yeah, it's a sign of a. Pretty smart, smart fencer. Yeah, exactly. And Burrell was just obviously, and he has that kind of, you know, when he wins, he has that kind of nice smile that he has. It's yeah. kind of like, yeah, I've won this. It's great. <laughs> you know? Uh, so that was quite a good semi-final. Uh, so we've got a uh, semi-final here. It's quite an interesting matchup again. We've got, because uh, we don't really know very much about uh, uh, B. Uh, we saw him in the last, the last event. Uh, yes, I can't remember which one it was, but he, I think he made a last eight there. The last eight, yeah. And it was quite interesting. It was like, oh, who is this guy? And it turns out he's one of the juniors. No, 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 he's not. No, he's a bit older than that. Oh, no, um, hang on. No, you're right, because I went and looked it up and he wasn't a junior anymore. Yeah, that's, that's right. right. 22 or 23 or something. Yeah. But breaking into the, the Korean squad, obviously, it's quite mm-hmm. hard work. So you'd had a pretty distinguished cadet junior career, yeah. I think, mm-hmm. without... And then he'd been, they kind of been a bit middling after that. Yeah. So take it, yeah, taking a little time to break into yeah. the... Into the Korean senior squad, mm-hmm. but yeah, producing a, a couple of big results over mm-hmm. the last last two. And I quite like the way that uh, his opponent Daniel John. I, I quite like the way he fences. He's kind of he's kind of cocky. I don't know the word another way to put right, it. Okay. I quite I quite I quite like the way that he fences. There's something kind of strutty about him, if you know what I mean. <laughs> but anyway, uh, the other reason I like the, the, and obviously I, I like Jung because he's a lefty. Yes, uh, so obviously I'm predisposed to like people who are left-handed. So we start off with quite a good hit, actually. Um, Daniel uh, Jan- Daniel misses. He goes for this kind of over-the-top hit, and it kind of misses. And John just sticks his arm in the way and scores. And I went, it was a little fist bump for me when I was watching this <laughs> at my desk because it was such a, a nice lefty hit. It was like a yeah. cunning lefty when he hit him in. So... Uh, so Daniel was a bit more, a bit, he's kind of a bit more passive about things. He's trying to work. He starts trying to work the distance against uh, against Jung. He's trying these short attacks. Uh, Jung pulls a nice uh, collection in blocks, uh, and that's another nice hit from him. Uh, Jung tries to hit, tries to hit his toe, but Jean uh, just pulls it over. This is actually a really nice hit. This is to go. Uh, this is when he's two one down. Jung tries to hit him on the toe. Daniel disengages and does a short flesh. Boom, two two two. And there's lots of this kind of stuff going on, but it's it's all it's all kind of what's the word I'm looking for? Middle. It's in the happening in the middle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Short attacks, short, and it's not that kind of stereotypical epi thing where it's just like casual probing. There's a short attack, and then something has to happen from it. Um, we don't really. So the score in this one isn't as high in the first round, but we finish the round. It's four two to Daniel, mm-hmm. and it, but it was still quite an active. So I go oh two four. Mm. You'd be like, mm, is that a good one? But no, no actually, it was quite. quite, quite there was plenty happening. Yeah, you're yeah, right. it was good. So we start from period two. There's a couple of doubles. Uh, there's a nice, uh, nice exchange of blades round about. Uh, I guess there's a double. So we're at f- what five, five three, five, and then the next hit is actually just a lovely, another short attack to hand. And uh, this is, yeah, Daniel does another short attack to hand, and it's just it's just a nice hit. 
The next hit, though, from Jung is actually... He tries for this nice long attack against Daniel. And I don't think it was ever going to work because there are, just because of the, the sort of the movement. But that, what Daniel does is he, he blocks. There's a counter. There's a, he blocks. He, he, he posts. There's a counter parry mm-hmm. from Jung on the lunge. Yeah. And then he lands it on Daniel. And it's kind of like, oh, that was such a lovely hit. Where did that come from? Yeah. Well, I, straight at the foil manual. This yeah. was kind of what I thought for quite a lot of this, this fight. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Quite. Quite foiling. I mean, there was a lot of a lot of blade work, a lot of blade action in, in it. Yes, that's right. Because I think I sent you a text message when I was watching it, going, "Oh my god, I've not seen this in a long time." Mm-hmm. Is it an actual conversation of blades going on? I always hesitate to use that phrase because it sounds sounds kind of like sounds like uh, James Chambers is in the room, doesn't it? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure. <laughs> uh, yeah, maybe that's what it is. But yeah, yeah, it's a phrase I'm not I'm not that happy using. Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, there's a le- there's, there's lots of exchanges in this one. Yeah. And there's a lot of movement, and then there's a lot of exchanges where one person will try the short attack again. Will be parried. There will uh, there will be some kind of riposte off it. Then there'll be some other action, whether it's a counter, uh, step back, stop it, that kind of stuff. And there's yeah. quite a lot of that in this this particular fight. And that for me made it quite exciting because. One of the things that people say that Epi has been reduced to is this kind of uh, one or two action. It's whoever blinks first, essentially, yes. is going to lose the hit. So if you can score on a single light, you score on a single light. If you don't score on a single light, someone gets it on the, sec- on the second intention. But in this, there was far more uh, engagement around the blade, uh, a far more sort of traditional feel to it, mm-hmm. in the sense that you're talking about the sort of foily thing. And that didn't occur to me at the time. Uh, but yeah, I see what you mean now from yeah. that one. <laughs> Anyway, sorry. Um, it's kind of a nice. Uh, there's a nice block block flicking side from from the from from Sukond, uh, from Jung actually, uh, and he's actually Jung actually asked for a video on this one, okay, because he thinks that uh, Daniel has done something illegal. I think he's parried with his backhand. Oh yes, that's right. I've forgotten about that. Yeah, yeah. So Daniel thinks he's scored, but there's a re- but 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 uh, Jung just goes no no go for video, and yeah. on the video he's successful. It's a red card. Yeah, uh, and that means that uh, Daniel goes another hit behind, and it's now eight six. So eventually, anyway, the, the final hit of the round. I'm just gonna we'll just go on with this. Uh, the final hit of the round is just a simple stop hit from Jung. It's quite nice, but it's a simple stop mm-hmm. hit, and it finishes at nine seven. But it's been an action packed kind of like second period. And yeah, again without there being a you know a stupidly large number of hits, it, it never felt. Like the the pace was flagging. There was lots of no. there was always lots of stuff going on. Exactly, uh, and both fences clearly looking to to set up and make hits. So it was no just you know bouncing around waiting for exactly time to run out or yeah none of that for the, or, or even for the other person to yeah. do something. Yeah, yeah. It was all it was all quite active. So in in this in this last period, it it, it kind of changes slightly because Jung goes for a kind of more neutral hand position and frequently goes to sort of absence of blade. I thought he was looking a bit more like Kolodkov at this point. As he's right, pulling okay. his hand back and stepping in and trying to trying to bait Daniel yes, into doing yeah, something yeah. flesh. Dare you. Yeah, come on, come on, I'll do it. Come on, try it again. Come on, come on, like this. Uh, and it kind of works because we, we're at 9-7 already uh, and the score ticks up to 10-8. Uh, mm-hmm. Okay, so it's a double and then there was another light. Um, there's, another re- there's, another, there's another replay. And I wasn't entirely sure exactly what Jung, Jung had hit. But it looks again, because the hand, the hand speed is so fast in this that even in the slow motion replays, I thought I was struggling to see exactly occasionally where where he was actually hitting. But on the replay, you can see that he scores, he parries, he reposts again, all in that one action while the light's on. Right. Uh, yeah. And that and that's the so and that takes the score up to eleven eight. At this point, I was thinking, well, oh, I don't know if Dan's going to bring it down. And 
he, he managed to get a nice sort of ducking counter, gets 11-9, and then falls off the piste on the next hit. Yeah. Which, I've got to be honest with you, it looked terrible. I thought he might have dislocated his ankle, broke his foot, something like that, because it was so horrible. But he gets up again, doesn't even hang around for a medical break. He just gets back on the piece. Yeah, just dusts himself down. Yeah, and just, yeah, fine. Like, yeah, I'm fine, I'm fine. I won't get on. So clearly, he just, the two of them just want to get on with this. Uh, it's, a, it's a double. And I thought that I thought that Daniel went off before he scores in the next hit. But he doesn't, and there's no score. There's a bit of box watching going on at this point. But anyway, we're at uh, we're at 12-10 anyway. Uh, and then it's a pyro post from Jung, 13-11. It goes up to 13-11. It's a pyro post again, 14-11. And then I'm thinking, oh, surely Dan's going to figure this one out. Nah, doesn't happen. Yeah, one he more steps time. in, one more hit, one more yeah. time, and that's it, victory. Yeah. So I think I went on enough about the two semifinals. I thought they were brilliant. <laughs> you know. Yeah, they were. They were. I agree with you. They were absolutely brilliant. Well worth checking out. The final then, we've got uh, Jung B versus Burrell. Slightly dis- more disappointing than the previous semifinals because they were so, so high, such high calibre, so high you know, intensity bouts. In the first period, Burrell's just completely dominant. Yeah. He completely... I don't, I don't know how to put this. He basically wastes uh, Jung here. Uh, Jung tries to leverage his, uh, Burrell's height against him, but it, it doesn't. it's just not going to work. He's constantly pushing against his leg. But Burrell just controls the distance and keeps using his reach to either stop Jung or blocks him out. And it's really... It's a real... It's a, it's a masterful kind of display of how you, how you deal with someone who's doing that for you. And that period just finishes uh, 7-1... Yeah. yeah, it was looking like being a, a proper route at that stage. And you, yeah. you know, you're slightly worried that Jung B in his first first final um is going to be horribly humiliated against a yeah. uh, much a more much experience. much more experienced opponent. Yeah, yeah it, was, it was looking pretty bad. Yeah. So so I was kind of worried that we were gonna end up with a horrible score like, you know, fifteen two or something yeah. like this anyway. So the period, so we come into period two and Jung Jung's obviously had a bit of a chat with his coach. He tries to kind of uh, mix it up, but Burrell again is just really calm. He just sticks to his guns all the way through it. And again he's either blocking or he's stopping them constantly. Uh Jung eventually gets his first single light at three eleven. Hey Exactly. <laughs> and I, I did a little bit of clap when I was yeah. watching this. I was like, oh fantastic, nice one. And then Jung and then Jung tries it again. He catches Burrell napping. I think at this point, Burrell so been so dominant and so in control, he just was a little bit asleep at the wheel yes. because there was no need for him to be hit on that this, this next hit because it was something he'd seen Jung try six times before this. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, it's a lovely it's a lovely lunch to tow, uh, and I, oh, it's four eleven. Time for a comeback? Nah, not really. Not really yeah. <laughs> there's a couple more. Just, just it's just it just basically goes up. There's a couple more hits. It's all there's a double. There's another couple. It's 14-7 down. Burrell tries to finish it off with a nice flesh, but he drops his hand. It's just lazy. It's a lazy, lazy flesh. He's obviously yeah. a bit overconfident. Uh, Jung picks him off. It's uh, it's now 8-14. Uh, there is 30 seconds, no, 15 seconds on the clock. Yeah. Uh, and then Burrell just shrugs his shoulders and they go off for a minute. So uh, period three. Uh, so the question is, are we going to get a nice comeback? Well, Jung comes, claws back a couple of hits. But Burrell, again, just looks completely composed all the way through it. And eventually just goes, I've had enough of this. Sticks his arm out, and that's that. Yeah. <laughs> and it's literally yeah. just like, oh, I've had enough. Sticks his arm out, and it finishes 15-10. And, you know, compared to the semi-finals, it, it was a little bit disappointing in the fact yeah. it wasn't quite as exciting. But it's quite interesting to watch Burrell be quite dominant all the way through like that. I don't think I've seen him quite as dominant as that. Uh, not since. for a while. I mean, the... Maybe last season there was a couple of times when that happened. Yeah, when he looked thoroughly impressive. He's had a, by his own standards, a pretty ordinary season this year. Yeah. Um, so it probably was good to see him hitting top form again, mm-hmm. just in time for the 
you know, for the Europeans and the World Championships. Yeah. Kind of, cause, uh, when events like that, he is seriously impressive. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's a good one. I recommend everybody go and check at least the, the final section for the uh, for the Cali Grand Prix. Well worth it. Yeah. Uh, let's move on to the women's epi. Uh, entries in this one, again, were really low. 100 entries for this one. Mm-hmm. And this one has far more Colombians stuffing the... The bottom rung of the yeah. of the one of the one to, incomplete one two eight there, uh, but again most of the sort of the big names are there anyway. But it's again such a low turnout. So is it, I mean the ones that are missing then are the, the kind of middle ranking ones, which yeah. aren't yeah aren't in national teams. Yeah, probably having to fund it themselves. Yeah, that kind of thing, and they're just Colombia's just too far to go. I think. Mm-hmm. Um, so there are some early levers in the sixty four. We lose Zoo and Dolo and Ritzy. Right. They all three of them go into sixty four. In the thirty two, we lose uh, Candasami, Epi, uh, McKinnon, Coraline Vitalis goes out, uh, right. Shinna Lam goes out, and so does Kerpu. All out in the thirty two. Mm-hmm. So it's quite some quite hefty hitters there. Uh, in the last sixteen, we lose Fiamingo, Son of China, and uh, Kelly Hurley as well. Right. Uh, it's quite interesting because her sister is still fencing. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> so in the last eight, we have quite. Quite an interesting few matchups here. We've got uh, Orian uh, Malo versus uh, Jung, of, another Jung of Korea. Right. Uh, Malo is a younger, no, she's not that young, uh, French epifencer, and she's not really troubled the later ranks at all. In fact, I think this might be her first last date, certainly in a Grand Prix. Oh, okay, right. Okay. Uh, I'm only really familiar with her because I believe she's coached by Michel Sicard, C- the French coach. All right, so you okay. see yeah, her yeah. and some of his coaching videos that he does. So I've seen her. I've seen her before. Anyway, she's kind of an athletic, kind of active-looking uh, French epiest. Uh, she wins quite comfortably, actually, against Jung. It's a fifteen-eight, and she's got it's got a really nice sort of flowing style to her, mm-hmm. uh, with a nice sort of uh, aggressive kind of uh, steps and fleshes and things like that. Uh, the second one is uh, the other Hurley, uh, Courtney, Courtney Hurley. Yep, yep. Uh, and she defeats Kravitska, fifteen uh, yeah. ten. It's quite a comfortable one as well. I think uh, Courtney Howard's got quite an interesting sort of style. She's quite uh, she's quite strong. She's yeah. able to take the bleed quite well, blocks out, steps in quite aggressively. That's quite interesting. In the next last eight, we've got uh, Kang versus Azola of Italy. Uh, so we've got a quite young kind of matchup there. Yeah. Uh, Azola edges this one. Well, not, I see edge, but it's like 15-10. Well, that's not an aging. It's not aging, yeah. so it's quite, quite a good one. I didn't actually watch this one, so yeah. uh, I'm kind of guessing kind of how that one went. Yeah. And Azola, um, Azola is young, isn't she? She's she young, is young. 17 or 18 or yeah, something. Yeah, she's... She must be juniors. Yeah, she must yeah, be. she is. Yeah. So and she's very young. Uh, so that's a really good result for her. Yeah. Uh, and then our last, last eight is uh, Ferrari of Italy. What an appropriate name. Uh, versus uh, Sass uh, of Hungary. Uh, this one's a much, much closer fight and it goes right down to the wire uh, and it's thir- uh, and Sass wins uh, 15-13. Okay. Yeah. So Sass, you want to give her a full full name? or uh, Saskovac. Very good. First uh, name? Uh uh, M-S-E? Oh, so close. M-S-E. M-S-E, that's right, because it's an S. Uh, right, M-S-E, uh, Saskovac. Right, so she's uh, Sass from now on. Yeah. Uh, so our first semi-final <laughs> is... Uh, Heroic, Gav, well done. <laughs> if you're going to go down, go down fighting, that's what I say. <laughs> uh, so our first semi-final is quite interesting. It's, uh, it's Orian uh, Mallow versus Hurley. I thought Mallow had chosen the wrong tactics against Hurley. Right. Uh, Hurley's obviously very strong, stands her ground, and feeling that will step in and attack you. And she didn't really have a reliable uh, response to it. Uh, they, both of them were fencing very close as well. And yeah. I, was, I noticed they were both really in each other's faces. And that was really kind of Hurley's strength. She yeah. was able to just dominate it all. 
so if Mali went high, Hurley was able to just easy blocks it out. And she really kind of lacked any conviction. I thought Hurley looked weak in the leg. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. And I thought I thought Amalo could have uh, could have pulled a bit more than leg. I was just just as, as an outsider watching it anyway, mm-hmm. uh, and she just looked like she didn't have uh, any conviction going for it. Anyway, it was a great it was a great show from Hurley, and she really had a clearly well thought out plan here. Yeah, she's going to stand the ground. She wasn't going to take any nonsense from Mallow and it was really well ed- uh, really well executed. It was a dominant end of the first period. They come out again into the second period, m- much more the same. Currently, just sticks to her guns again, and the whole match just finishes fifteen nine. Okay, so pretty comfy. It was pretty comfortable. I mean, Orient really didn't have an answer to anything that uh, uh, Courtney was dishing out to her. The second semi-final is actually much better for, uh, with uh, uh, Sass versus Azola. Uh, Sass is dominant in the first period, goes up 7-2. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it, it's kind of like, it's not really much to say about this other than the fact that, again, they were fencing quite close. Yeah. And this is very much playing into uh, Sass's game plan that she had yeah so as soon as Sass would step as soon as Azola stepped forward she was going to get hit with something uh yeah pretty much I mean mostly what she got hit by was Sass Kovac uh, picking the blade up in cart and hitting her on the wrist forearm elbow yeah right onto body exactly uh, again, like, again and again I mean the, the only the only the only sort of decision the only sort of attack that she made that looked kind of sort of promising was kind of like in a sort of Baiting Sass enough that she would go for it and then attacking into the prep. Yeah, but it, like seven two, it, it it's, didn't it's a high risk strategy. Yeah, yeah, especially with someone as quick off the mark as uh, Sass as well. Yeah. So we went. We go into period two. Um, Sass put, tried some different tactics here and she held it back a bit. And I'm not entirely sure why she lengthened the distance out because that kind of gave uh, a soul a bit of an opportunity to try and come back into it. The difference between the scores ticks down to four at one point and it stays there until we get to about nine five. And then Sass is just, I think she just says, right, I'll just go back to my original plan then. Yeah. And then closes the distance. And it's just more of the same from the first period. And that round finished at 11-6. And it's kind of like a, it was kind of a, we, we kind of knew what was on the gar- on the cards here. Uh, so she, Azula goes and has a bit of a chat with her with her coach. We come back in again. And she's way more active at the start of period three. Um, she scores a couple by attack, by going for the high risk strategy by attacking into the prep. Yeah. I mean, if I fits down that kind of that late into the fight, you've, You've got to you've got to have a go at it. At you've least. got to do something, yeah. right? Uh, and she calls it back. It goes. Uh, she calls it back to eleven nine um, before Sass gets wise to what's going on and lengthens out the distance again. Just changes her changes her game plan yeah. again uh, and just lengthens it out. And it goes up to she goes up to thirteen nine. And uh, and at this point, I was just like, nah, no chance from Mozilla. And sure enough, it finishes fifteen ten. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, I know the fight did get down to a couple of hits at at one point, but it never really felt like. Uh, Sasko's that Kovac no. was going to was going to give it away. No, because she she's very experienced. She's not won a gold medal at the Olympics for nothing, and she's at the top of the rankings. So kind of like this this is just how it is. And Azola, this must be her first kind of oh yeah semi final. So, yeah. So good show from her. Let's move on to the final. Okay. <laughs> this is the, the, again. This is this is another kind of well. It's quite it's, it's kind of kind of quite an interesting one. This this fight here. It starts off with Sass being dominant in the first period and she's going for that kind of typical Hungarian technique where she's looking for signal because mm-hmm. she's obviously watched how Curly's been, fen- Hurley's been fencing and Hurley has that kind of strong defence, will step in, you know, aggressively if she has to, but she's got that strong defence. So she's coming out and she's kind of, Sass is kind of feeling around trying to see exactly what Hurley's likely to do. And this decided, this gave her the opportunity to either kind of, I th- well, I thought to either attack with or without the blade. 
Okay, so she had it. So if Harley stuck her arm out, she would take her in, in four. And if she didn't, uh, she would actually disengage in the in the, in the uh, on the outside line. So mm-hmm. she would disengage to the outside. And it was actually really, really good and really aggressive. And she that round finishes five two. And I thought what we were going to see was a bit more of what we just saw in the semi final, where uh, Sash just moves around a little bit more and varies it enough that you know our opponent just can't do anything about it. But Harley comes out of this one and she's given a bit. She's getting a bit of space to start start to start her game up a little bit. Mm. So Hurley kind of holds it back a touch, keeps the distance slightly longer. Sass go, agrees to hold the distance slightly longer, but that allows Hurley to uh, start attacking into it a little bit more. Yeah, and it goes uh, it it goes up to seven five. I thought mm, this is getting a bit interesting, and then there was a lovely premier post from uh, from Hurley. I think Saz, she baited Saz enough that she just jumped into her. Mm-hmm. And she takes this lovely prima pause and it's kind of like a flick into the chest. Yeah. Uh, it goes to 7-6. So we've gone from this moment where um, Saz was oh, completely dominant in the first period to that moment where you think it's a, a bit squeaky. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and sure enough, uh, what Hurley does is she starts to disrupt Saz as she's coming in. And as Saz is coming in, she does lots of... Uh, Hurley starts to do things that faint disengages. Anything to really stop... Uh, Sass from actually finding the blade from getting that signal yeah. and it's really interesting and then and then Hurley goes into the lead at 9-8 and I thought this is it was actually cracking and what, and what she was doing was essentially um, she was tricking Sass a little bit and she was a, she was straightening into Sass's prep uh, I keep saying Sass my god you <laughs> thought gonna, after the lecture you're going to get such a telling yeah, off yeah I'm going to get such a telling off sorry guys uh, and what she was fo- forcing uh, Sass to do was to search and again, I had that foily feel. Yeah. So, you know, you know, Sass steps in, all of a sudden this arm's in her face, she's oh my God, searches for the blade. And that gives, that's giving her the chance to actually uh, to, to actually score. Anyway, it, there's no, at this point, there's literally no distance between the two of them uh, and it finishes at 9-all. So it went from 5-2 up for it to be 9-all. Uh, so I thought, this is, this is cracking stuff, by the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, period three, uh, Sass got again, thinks, hmm, see what we had about to think about this. And she comes back out and she starts to keep the distance a little bit longer again. And what she's trying to do, she's trying to avoid that kind of mistake of jumping in yeah. and, and being forced into doing something she doesn't want to do against uh, against Hurley. And she, that, that allows her to go back to original game of either engaging or not engaging. She takes the score back up to 10-9. When Hurley, I think, might be getting a little bit frustrated, she starts to push a little bit harder. And Saz, I think that's kind of like what Saz was actually going for. So as she's, so as Hurley steps in, she Saz is now countering, and it's kind of, it's just kind of becomes a bit more kind of predictable what's going to happen. Yeah. Because now Hurley has to play Saz's game. She steps in, she can't force the search from uh, Saz anymore. So the best she can manage is a, from here on out is a double hit. Because she just hasn't, it's kind of like the conviction's gone a little bit after a couple of hits. And the actual match finishes 15 10. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it was reasonably comfortable in the end. Yeah. And I was impressed the, uh, the way Courtney Harley fought her way back into the, Took in, lead. Into the match and actually uh, did actually take the lead. Yeah. Um, which after the first period, I, I didn't, that didn't look likely. No. But in the end, 15 10 is a reasonably comfortable win for. Yeah. I think for the Olympic champion, oh, well, <laughs> she, yeah. as you see, she is the Olympic champion, reigning Olympic for champion, yeah, really good reason, yeah. And and, and the thing is, um, Harley's Harley's game plan in that second period worked, but uh, Sass had obviously using her experience and that pulling the distance back, forcing Harley to move as soon as she got the lead, pulling that distance even further back, yeah, forcing Harley to make the action uh, was basically always going to work because Harley is strong in defence mm-hmm. and she steps into attacks, but she doesn't. Often yeah. initiate attacks. Yeah, it doesn't look nearly so comfortable doing that. So no, yeah, when she no. was a hit down, 
she does it a few times and she went for toe, a couple of toe hits uh-huh. she did try to, to sort of like do nice sort of coming in and grabbing the blade doing lots of, sort of uh, binds and things like that but it was clearly not no, plan, she, it's not plan A for her. Certainly. No, it's not. It's no. maybe down to plan C, even. Yeah, you know. Yeah, but so. I enjoyed the first two periods, especially because mm. it was because it, it you got a good show, and then you got a really good comeback, and then the third period you just got to see it, uh, the quality at the sass actually. Yes, yeah. yeah. So it was well deserved. Yeah, no, it was a it was a good one, and uh, I think actually that's been virtually my first bit of live live streaming watching for for epi this season i really? really enjoy it yeah yeah i was busy that night so i couldn't watch it so. yeah well you missed a goodie although obviously you, you caught up but i thought it was a uh a good a good end to the epi season yeah, for yeah. A sort of regular season mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah enjoyed enjoyed watching some live some live epi as yeah. i say first first time this season i think yeah i've gone on about a lot about epi i think it's time we move on to the next one ah uh, well time for more saber um, so the very final World Cup or Grand Prix mm-hmm. of the season was uh, Women's Sabre World Cup from Tunis. Okay. Uh, might seem a slightly, well, I don't know whether it seems an old place or not to finish the season, but uh, I think part of the reason that Tunis was placed at the very end of the season is because it was almost immediately followed by uh, the African Zonal Championships also in Tunis. So kind of everything was in place. Oh, I see. Right, um, that doesn't in, make sense. Including, including fencing vision to... To do the live streaming for the for the African Zonal Championships as well. So, yeah, that makes sense. Okay, but as as final World Cup action of the season, it was absolutely tremendous. Yeah. It was a really really good competition. Mm-hmm. Various exciting things that have been happening in uh, in women's saber this year. Marielle Zagunis's return, Sofia mm-hmm. Velikaya coming back and winning the Moscow Grand Prix, um, plus all the names that have kind of. Uh, stepped in to sort of fill the the gap in Velikaya and Zagunis's absence. It's all there as well. Um, as it turns out, there was actually no Marielle Zagunis in, in Tunis, <laughs> right. but everybody else was there. So the big names that went out early, Azabezbez, uh, oh. Dagmara Wozniak, and the returning Sarah Balzer. I mean, um, I hesitate to say that as a you know uh, a big name being knocked out early because she's still still on the way back from injury. So uh, uh, a bad injury as well. Yeah, we say it, it looked terrible. Mm-hmm. Um, we have kind of talked about this before, but yeah, looking looking back in action, obviously her rankings way down. Yeah. So she came through the came through the pools pretty successfully, but uh, didn't make it through the sixty four. Um, out in the thirty two, Limbach, Lembach, Vichy, and Glotta. And out in the 16, Gregorio, Pustai, oh. and, uh, well, our our last Erigo watch. Oh. Um, <laughs> but she, uh, well, that was actually quite an encouraging result. It was our, it was our best result for a while, to be fair, both in, in foil and Sabre. Okay. And she got knocked out by Olga Carlan. All right. 15-14, uh, and she was, she was up as well. Oh, my God. Uh, she was 10-6 up. All right. Uh, and it gets to fourteen all, and hesitates, and oh, okay. Carlin dives in and, and hits with the the attack. Um, but it was a tremendous fight, and if I was there, you go looking at my my sort of saber progress, I would look at that fight and say, "That's pretty good." Yeah, that is pretty good. Uh, so I think she can she can end the season because she's not going to make the Italian team for the. Europeans or World Championships right. at Sabre. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I can look back at the end of her, her second season of doing doing Sabre, pretty positively looking at that at that kind Oops, of So, Carlin, that's not bad. Yeah, very much so. Yeah. Very much so. So our quarterfinal lineups. Uh Carlin beat Olympic champion Yana Agorian uh, 15-13. Mm-hmm. Uh, a real good uh, battle in there. 
Carlan look very, very pleased with the win. I think really? It would be fair to say, yes. Mm-hmm. Bianca Pascu beat uh, Kim Gion, 15-13. Again, another, another nail-biting one and more, more good stuff from Bianca Pascu, who I'll speak a little bit more about in just a moment. Probably surprise result in the last eight, uh, Margot Rifkis of France beating her fellow countrywoman Cecilia Berder, 15-12. I would say a surprise, and certainly it's the first time that uh, Rifkis has appeared in the on the podium. At a, it's not a name I recognise. No, I mean I've, I've, I recognise the name, but it's not a name that appears regularly late late in the day. Okay. So yeah, a first a first medal. I'm pretty sure um, at senior level for for Rifkis. And the last quarterfinals was absolute beauty. Manon Bruni beating Sofia Velikaya, and absolutely giving her a pasting as well. What was the uh, score? 15-7. That is a pace thing. Yeah. So, um, yeah, welcome back. Have some of that. Welcome back. Well done in Moscow mm-hmm. on home turf. But here's an absolute beating for your troubles. Yeah. Um, see you at the Europeans. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, it was great. Man and Bruni's forms, again, has been a, a little bit up and down yep. over the last couple of years. I really thought that she would become the star, really, of... Um, Talked, potentially post Velikaya. Yeah, we, we've talked about this. We've talked about this before, yeah. I think. Yeah. And it's never really quite happened. Um, but this this looked like it. <laughs> right. And uh, yeah, she was very, very pleased with that win. Obviously, because the last time she'd fenced uh, Velikaya was at the Olympics in the semi-finals, mm-hmm. when she lost 15-14 in perhaps slightly controversial circumstances where there was a, a call that went against her that yeah, certainly to my untrained eye at the time, didn't mm-hmm. didn't look right and didn't look right to quite a lot of other people as well. Right. Uh, so yeah, again, she looked very pleased with that win. Right. <laughs> so on to our semi-finals. Um, Caroline against uh, Bianca Pascu. Uh, and as I said, Pascu has, the fence we talked about a bit in the past, um, she made her first World Cup or Grand Prix podium at the end of last season, uh, won a bronze at the Europeans, uh, then she's won her first World Cup this season and has medalled at least another couple of times. And every time I see her, she looks a more complete, more athletic fencer. And I'm, I'm increasingly becoming a, a Bianca Pascu fan. Mm-hmm. Um, to add to, to add to the list of other women's surprises that I'm, I'm, I'm a fan of. But, um, uh, yeah, she's got more and more variety to her fencing every time I see her fence just about. Uh, when, when she produced that result at the end of last season, she had a pretty one-dimensional game. It was all based about going forward, low-risk fencing, where much more of everything in this one. So it sounds like I'm bigging her up here, and you know perhaps I should should point out that at the end of the break uh, against Carlan, she's a massive 8-7 up, but fencing really well. <laughs> I mean, that kind of shows the strength yeah. of Carlan, that you can be looking like absolute world beater in the form of your life, getting high praise, even for me, and you're 8-7 up. And it's neck and neck for, really, for the rest of it. Level at 10-0, all, 11-0, all, 12-0, 13-0, 14-0. Um, just, just going hit for hit. And great fencing, lots of lots of variety, lots of different ways to score the hits, changes in tempo, mm. moving around the piece, hit scored with all sorts of actions. Mm-hmm. And just absolute quality fencing. Really, really enjoyed it. And final hit, uh, Carlan pressing... Pushing Pascu back, uh, Pascu takes a parry, misses with the riposte. Mm. Carlin goes for the I don't know, redouble or renewal of the mm-hmm. attack, misses, 
and eventually pushes Pascu to right to the end of the piste, where she has no option but to try and counterattack with a duck and hope, oh, that, right. hope that Caroline misses, which she doesn't. Okay. So Caroline edges the win 1514. Uh, did, really did you say, damn you, Caroline? Damn you. <laughs> almost, but I really like Hoka Caroline as well. It was, it was one where I, yeah. I couldn't possibly lose. Whoever, whoever emerged from that semi final was going to be happy with. Okay. You can have Caroline, I'll have all the Korean epias. So, semi final two um, was much less exciting, to be honest. Uh, Manon Bruni gives her, her young teammate uh, a bit of a pacing, to be honest, 15 5. Stronger, better, more experienced fencer mm. um, beats young teammate. Is, is the headline and yeah pretty straightforward I'm, I'm not going to talk through the fight because it was straight All right. uh, as straightforward as it could be really yeah 15-5 Manu Bui eases her way to the final after the excitement of uh, of the previous semi-final mm. however don't be put off because the final was an absolute cracker as well I know because I watched it <laughs> you did oh, oh yes of course I'd forgotten that you were doing your best to, to keep more up to date with yep I didn't, time to watch, didn't have time to watch more than that, unfortunately. Oh, but right. I did, I did okay. watch the final. Well, if, if you're going to go back and watch a little bit more, I would really recommend that first semi-final, okay. which, which was an absolute stormer. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, so the final was um, an absolute cracker as it well. Was. After a slightly disappointing second semi-final. Carlan mainly the mainly aggressor in the fight, but mm-hmm. a variety from both sides. I mean, that's I mean that's been my sort of reason for really preferring women's sabre to, to men's is, totally. the, is the variety. It's far less uh, dominated by by the attacker. Yeah, because in, in the men's sabre, it tends to be all be over in the blink of an eye and nothing much happens. Do you know what I mean? It doesn't feel can, like... It can do, yeah. Right? Whereas in the women's, there's space, there's space and time for, uh, for you to actually see nice exchanges, different tactical plays, mm-hmm. you know, all that kind of stuff. Play, actually, I think is the key word. It's something that Cecilia Berda talked about when when interviewed her last year mm-hmm. about enjoying the actual process of playing the game. Yeah, yeah. And then it's not all just about you know playing the percentages. It's yes. not it's not spreadsheet fencing. Yeah. <laughs> um, and and this was a you know a really good example of that. Both fencers oh, trying so. to trying to think their way through the fight and trying to produce varied tactics for for dealing mm. with what their opponent had to offer. And really interesting. Car- Caroline had the slight advantage uh, eight five up at the break early yeah. on. But Bruni switches her her tactics a little bit after the break, becomes a bit more aggressive, takes the takes the initiative more. Mm-hmm. Kind of mixed results. I mean, she doesn't really close the gap, eight six down. Yeah. Uh, but then a couple of Carlan mal parries as right. uh, as Bruni continues to to press with the attacks and uh, think, makes, think, makes it ten nine ten nine to Carlan at, at that stage. Yeah. So it's it's a fight in the balance. It's like you were saying earlier on about Pasco. It's kind of like you're going, oh my god, this is a fencer. You know, it's glorious. How is this person? Because I, I was watching and thinking, how did you beat Olga Caroline? Oh, yeah, you just watch what Bruni's doing. Then I looked at the score and realised, oh, she's not that far ahead. Yeah. <laughs> that's, yeah. That's right. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I mean, that, I mean, that does say a lot about Olga Carlan is that, you know, you have to fence out your skin yeah. to give yourself a chance of beating her. Yeah. Uh, and in this case, Bruni manages to level at 11 all and then takes the lead with a, a, a backline backside almost on the ground parry repost yes. which uh, Carlin actually queries with the referee you know can you check that she's not over the back line when, yeah. when that hit's made and the referee went and checked yeah went and checked yep. no, still still clinging on by, yeah. a, by a toenail then she goes further ahead 13-12 and then 14-12 with an attack mm-hmm. but no panic from Olga levels it at 14-0 with a parry repost and making the attack fall short and taking the attack mm-hmm. up and, and hitting uh, but finally, nice long attack, well controlled, nicely finished 
by Manon Bruni to take the win. I think you kind of undersold that last exchange because I thought I watched that when, oh my God, that's amazing fencing. Because it was was end to end. Because uh, I, I can't remember the exact sequence here, but essentially there's an exchange. Olga Carlin gets out of Dodge, gets chased down by Bruni. There's another exchange uh, Bruni gets out of Dodge, runs backwards, and is chased by all the Carlips end to end. It was absolutely amazing. Okay, other other way around maybe. But anyway, it was like a. <laughs> but, but you know what I mean? It was just it was there was loads of movement and the so like I was saying that the men's games is it's good and it's interesting. It's fast, right? But it's very simple mm-hmm. percentage of stuff. You know, you, I'm going to do this. You're going to do that. Someone gets a hit. With the women's game, there is that space for you to play. Yeah, and that really showed in that last exchange. I thought because. The men's game it would just be all over, but in this one there was a chance for someone to, to break out of that, try get, get get the distance again, and then someone would have to take something up again to make something happen again, and there was that opportunity. Anyway, I really I thought that last bit, I thought that last uh, that last hit was amazing. I was just like, oh, I should watch more of this. <laughs> well, I've been trying to tell you, Gav. Yeah, it's actually well worth the effort of uh, of watching watching a bit of Saber. I, have, I have watched more of this this year than I did last year. Right, but not uh, terribly much until this last little. I have no. I've watched. Oh, I think I've watched something out of every single every single tournament this year. Okay. I've watched at least the final. I've not managed to watch much more than that, but I have watched at least the final uh-huh. and the the semis there. So well, here, well, this this competition has at least four fights that you should go and watch. Okay. The Erigo Carlin last sixteen. Mm-hmm. The actually, there's a lot of Olga Carlin and fights you have to watch. <laughs> Carlin Agorian. Bruni, Velikaya, the semi-final and the final, actually five fights. Five fights. Okay. But all worth it. All worth I the effort. I should do my homework. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, that's the quality of Carlin, though. You're, you're saying watch all Carlin's fights. It's the quality of her. Yeah. Because we were talking about, you, you made made the comment about Pascu. I just made the comment about Bruni. <laughs> well, you have to fence, fence just to even stand a chance. Mm-hmm. And that makes those fights really interesting and intense. Yep. Uh, it, was, it was quality stuff. I mean, a really, really good finish today. To the regular season. Oh, apart from the team event, of course, which um, which Russia win. Velikaya restored to the Russian team after you know, their two-year mm-hmm. absence and back to the top of the pile. Oh, well, never mind. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Trying to seem quite so disappointed with a Russian win. Uh, yeah, they beat France in the final and Italy were third. China were fourth as well. Which is oh, quite a good that's interesting. China. Yeah, yeah they, beat, um, they beat Japan and Korea along the way to, right. to make in the that's semi-finals. Yeah, so good result for China. And that... That's the end of the regular season. Okay. It is all done. So, what's next? Well, what's next? So... A bit of a diversion from... Yeah. Actually, talking about fencing then. Yeah, um, let's talk about politics for a minute. Uh, yes, because we're clearly experts on that, and yeah. we do have an opinion on, mm-hmm. well, almost everything, so might as well go for... But let's not talk about British politics, because they're terrible. Russian political sports news. Yeah, indeed. Da, 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 da. So, our, it's it's the pods. The pods is in the news. Stanislav Pozniakov, former world and a pretty sure Olympic champion, um, has become the head of the Russian Olympic Committee, mm. which means two former fencers yes. uh, are hold probably the two most powerful positions in Russian sport. Yes. Um, Pavel Klobkov as the Minister for Sport, yeah. um, and now... Posnyakov as head of the Russian Olympic Committee. Yeah. So you would like to think as you know, two two fencers, that's two good guys running things in, in Russian sport. Mm-hmm. Therefore, all is well. Yeah. But you're not so convinced. I never said that. <laughs> 
Well, we did mention Kolobkov in the past because he's been my he was my hero back in the day. Yeah, but uh, unfortunately, the Russian doping scandal ha- happened all on his watch. Uh, no, not entirely. He was deputy minister for sport when that broke. Vitaly Mutko was still uh, minister for sport at that point. Uh, right. Mutko uh, emerges from the the muck of the Russian doping scandal and them being. And he gets promoted, uh, and he gets promoted to become deputy prime yeah. minister. So bravo, uh, bravo to him and. Kolobkov steps up to become Minister for Sport, inheriting mm-hmm. all, but the, the, all the se- mess. Yeah, but the second half made. of the Russian doping scandal definitely happened on his watch. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. You know? uh, yeah, so I, I don't know. I can't say whether it's good news or not. Time will tell, I guess. It depends what stories you hear about Posnyakov's involvement in, in the FIE. Well, he's a big guy. so He is, yeah. So I think, I think interesting time, times. It's, 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 an interesting, it's interesting that in Russia, fencing has enough kind of political clout to have to put, to put fencers in these sort of positions of yes, power. Yes, absolutely. I mean, the only other sort of fencing politician I can think of top of my head is Flessel in France. She, I can't remember exactly what position she's in, but she's certainly part of the Ministry of Sport there. Uh, yes. Now, the former Minister of Sport uh, was a French sabreur whose name I've forgotten, who mm-hmm. won two Olympic golds. Uh, I'm sure it will come back to me at some point. But, yeah, uh, but Flessel's yeah, actually active. She's actually active in the in the sport over there at the moment. Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. France and Russia. France and Russia. Like their like their fences and political mm-hmm. life. Yep. Okay, cool. Other news, something that I kind of speculated about last time yeah. round. Velikaya returns after a year two year absence and wins wins in Moscow, uh, makes the last eight here in, in Tunis and is immediately parachuted back into the Russian team for the European Championships and the World Championships. Marios Gunas, on the other hand, American team gets picked earlier. So when she makes her return from uh, pregnancy and giving birth, uh, she doesn't make the American team for the Pan American Championships and the World Championships. So effectively her season um, is over after a couple of competitions and not going to Tunis. Yeah. Um, so yeah, kind of, yeah, but we know that similar the- results for the two of them for for a couple of results into into the returns, and but different different ways that their countries uh, deal with those returns. Well, we 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 know about the politics of selection because we see we've talked about it sort of quite a lot internally in British fencing about how this all works. <laughs> yeah, definitely. You know, so it, it is interesting to sort of compare them. Whereas Velikai would have sort of a sort of try to grasp the right thing here, a traditional outlook. I sorry, the, the Russian Federation have a traditional outlook on picking their prospects, whereas oh that that person has talent, put them in the team. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas the American is far more sort of statistics based. You have to you have to make the grade by this point in these tournaments, otherwise you don't go and they just stick to their guns on it. Yes, that's right. It's it's you know? straight off the straight off the ranking mm-hmm. list without any any sentiment or subjective view in the matter. Yes. It's just yeah, here's here's the cutoff date, here's the rankings that we're gonna use. Mm-hmm. If you're if you're in the top four, you go, and if you're not, then you don't. I, I don't want to sort of put put my throw my hat in the ring too much here, but I kind of prefer that way because it's clear to everyone what's going on. So if you worked your box out for a whole year, mm. and all of a sudden uh, this this other fencer turns up from nowhere and gets parachuted into the team, and that's you having to sit there and hold a water bottle for the tournament, yeah, I think I'd be or not go at all, or not go at all would be really what's happening. But you know, like, I'd be a bit more upset about that. Whereas mm. the criteria is there. It's all done off the off the sheet here. Don't make the grade on that sheet. Nah, you're not going. Yeah, I mean, I suppose the fact that I'm not having to break the news to you know the, the said notional fencer who's worked hard all, all season, mm-hmm. just about made the team, but you've been binned in favour of 
somebody who's done a couple of competitions yeah. and all. all it's still Valkyrie, like done, done very well. Yeah, it's still Valkyrie. Like like so you know, um, or or Sagunis. So, yeah, yeah, but one goes, one doesn't. So mm-hmm. that was it. That's interesting. It's just an interesting observation, really. It is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Uh, so on to well, what do we want to do for our coolest fence from the planet? Last time round, <coughs> I went for the return of the benevolent dictatorship. It's not benevolent. You didn't hear the punching. (laughs) (laughs) That could be arranged if you really want, Gav. Do we want to do a Twitter poll again for this? Yes, let's do a Twitter poll. Let's open this one up because actually I can't decide who I want to win on this one. Yeah, it's quite a tough one. I mean, even if we go for the four winners that we talked about this this episode, uh, Enrico Berry. Mm -hmm. Saskovac. Yep. uh, Burrell. Yep. And Bruni. And Bruni. Uh, It's quite difficult to pick... Pick which one. Which one are you going to pick from that lot? Mm-hmm. Well, I think if we put all four of those up on our on our pool as options for mm-hmm. our listeners to choose from, anyone that we would add that would count as a fifth a fifth wheel. I'm kind of struggling with this one. Azul is quite an interesting one. Yeah, because being very young, getting to the latter stages in a Grand Prix is very good. Mm-hmm. I kind of like the the uh, Jensen uh, Jung Jung B. Yep. Because uh, obviously, again, okay, he's not that young, but he is the uh, kind of the junior member in the team. Yeah, kind of emerging, emerging talent. Yeah, I mean, he's yeah. actually going to be, I think, older than than From Sangyong the- Park. Is he? Yeah, I think I would. Do- I need to double check that. No, Sangyong Park was only twenty or twenty-one when when he won the Olympics. Right. I think. That, yeah. Okay. I would definitely double check that one. And actually, as I'm thinking about this, Na is younger as well. Right. Even though he's a giant, he's he's younger. <laughs> uh, he's uh, yeah, he's yeah. been eating his greens. Yeah, just trying to think if there's anybody else that would be quite interesting to sort of mention. You've mentioned Pascu. Yeah, oh, I know. Aged like fifteen, fourteen in the semi-finals. I would be tempted to put her on the list, but I don't see her gathering enough yeah. enough votes. Mm-hmm. I think you've got four sufficiently interesting winners of the events okay. that if okay. we stick with the winners and pick a. Pick a coolest out of those okay. of those four. Plus there's two French two French in there, so that'll <laughs> that'll split split the French vote. <laughs> my money's on Burrell actually, but there you we think go. so? Yeah, my I money's don't on know. Burrell. It's, yeah, it's a tricky one. So well, Burrell, Burrell's such a cheeky chappy, he's quite I follow him obviously online, uh, and he strikes me as being quite a popular guy. I've got a feeling Burrell will edge it over Bruni, need to say. Okay, well we'll see. We'll see. So we will put that up. I think we'll try and put the poll up for a week. Yeah, more or less from the the day that we we launch this episode, whenever whenever that may actually mm-hmm. be. So that's the plan. Okay. So now that the regular season season's over, what we have left are the various zonal championships. Mm-hmm. As we talk, the African zonal championships are, oh, I think, most of the way through, or at least halfway through yeah. them, mm-hmm. and are they're certainly there online. I was looking at it today. So. Yeah, uh, and as I say, the live streaming is looks lovely because the same fencing <laughs> yeah. vision setup that's yeah. left over from the Tunis uh, Women's Sabre World Cup we just talked about, and Europeans. Oh, actually, I think the Asian Championships start early next week, oh, and okay. the Europeans and Pan Americans slightly later on mm-hmm. next week. So, all of that to look forward to. We'll probably not do a whole lot of coverage on that because it's just such a massive, massive amount of fencing. Um, so I'm, we I'm quite, may pick out a few bits and pieces that are lo- yeah, interesting from it. I'm, I want to try and watch some of the, obviously, the epi. Yep. So I think the, the men's epi in particular would be quite good in the, the Asian Championships. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it should be. Uh, actually, in the women's epi, it could be quite interesting too, because some of the younger Korean fences are quite good. Mm-hmm. The ones that aren't Shinalam clones are yep. quite interesting to watch. 
So I might, I'm going to try and tune in for that. Maybe some of the foil, definitely. Not so sure about the other events, but yeah, definitely those two, I think, for the, the yeah. Asians. The Pan Americans are a bit dominated by America, so I don't quite know how to. Certainly some of the weapons, yeah. yeah. It's a, it's a, or more or less a, an American procession, procession up the podium, yeah. uh, which is not that interesting to be honest. Yeah. Not, not so much in some of the other weapons, though. So, yeah. Uh, there's some interesting people in Sabre, for example, women's Sabre. Try to think. Some of the Canadian, a couple of the Canadian, epi- Canadian epics are not bad. Yep. Uh, well, we'll have to see, I guess, but. I'm, I'm less I'm less interested in that than I am in this in the Asian Championship. So that's, right, that's okay. the interesting one for me. I think. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I'll, I must admit, I'll I'll be probably painfully uh, Eurocentric. So while you're tasting some exotica in Asia, well, well, and well I'm sort of dancing Canada. around it, but I'm going to watch some of the Europeans. I mean, it's obvious. I don't have to say that. It's yeah. going to happen. <laughs> okay. Um, I want to set my. I want to watch some of the uh, the Asian. I think I think that's the one I want to have a look at. Right. So okay. I'm going to try and. Find some time to watch that. So I think we sort of set uh, set the agenda for what we're going to be recording and talking about for the rest of the season. Is okay. we will probably have another get together after the various zonal championships, mm-hmm. but before the world championships, to do a preview of that. Decide where we're going to stake our notional one pound bets on who's going to win things. Mm-hmm. Which, as I recall, last season. Didn't didn't go at all well. I think everyone that I bet on went out <laughs> almost immediately. I think okay, so kiss of death for yeah. Uh, so yeah, various fences listening, obviously hoping that Gav does not mention their name when it comes to uh, picking a winner for the World Championships. And yeah, once the World Championships kick off, we'll probably try and produce a, a couple of shows. We're not going to be there this year, obviously, so uh, we'll not be doing a daily show, but we will do a fair bit of staying up late into the night to 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 watch the action for you yes. and bring you. Bring your thoughts on it soon thereafter. Yes, indeed. As I mentioned earlier on, I was down at Liam Paul Centre last week mm-hmm. doing some lovely interviews. Uh, so I interviewed Richard Cruz. Mm-hmm. I interviewed Britain's number one women's foilist, Kate Beardmore, mm-hmm. and her brother and coach, Alex. Uh, I was wondering about that. I was actually genuinely wondering if that was a brother. Okay. Yes. I wasn't, yes. I wasn't sure if that was the case or not. Yep. Okay. Yep. I interviewed former Heidenheim Men's Epi World Cup winner, John Willis. All right, yes. Uh-huh. Who was tremendous entertainment. Oh, he also made me a baked potato for lunch, which was delicious. Thanks very much. Yeah. Uh, for those who don't know, John's famous for loving a curry. <laughs> uh, yes, indeed. I didn't get a curry. <laughs> you didn't get a curry. What a no, disappointment. I, I was. I was. But yeah. a baked potato was a, you know, a poor second, but better okay. than nothing. And also had a chat with Ben Paul. Um, All right, yes. Managing director of Liam Paul. Mm-hmm. I love these sponsors. Yes. Uh, I have a chat to him about... The Liam Paul Centre itself, which is a, you know, a tremendous facility. Uh, Do you know, I've not been there. Have you not? I've never, I've, 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 I've been, I've had a tour of the Liam Paul factory uh-huh. in the past and I've seen all the, how they make their kit and everything like that, but I've never actually made it to the Liam Paul Centre, even though I've coached some juniors who've spent a lot of time there. Yeah. Wow. You yeah. should go. It's really impressive. And then the day after I got back, I did an interview by Skype with Jason Rogers, okay. Olympic team silver medalist in Men's Sabre mm-hmm. in the USA. And now the owner of betterfencer.com, yes, a, a, really good a website that we've we've talked about quite a number of times in the past has been a, a tremendous resource. So I had mm. a, a really interesting chat with him. Good. So what we're going to do with all these interviews is kind of release them in fairly, fairly sort of rapid succession, one after each other, probably just immediately after we released this episode. So keep your eyes peeled for that. Make sure you're subscribed because they're going to be coming thick mm-hmm. and fast. And some really great interviews for you too. To listen to after after a season in which I've been pretty lazy about doing my interviews, but I've got a, I've got a ton of them now, yeah. <laughs> so I, I suddenly need to 
make sure that you get to hear them all. And I think that just about wraps yeah, it up. I think, I, think we've, I think we've done enough now. I think we have. Yeah. So till next time. That's goodbye for me. And it's... Yeah, I wish we'd stop saying that, actually. It's I a bit too Ronnie's. I find myself drawn into answering it as well. <laughs> okay, so goodbye till next time. Okay. <laughs>